Cromolo again, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Crush with D-Crime. I am your host, David Cromolo. Well, the long wait is over, and NFL training camps are officially underway, finally. And that means fantasy football season also begins in earnest as daily camp reports plus preseason observations are crucial factors in finalizing your draft boards. But another factor to consider while setting up those boards is health. Tonight, we will discuss numerous fantasy-relevant players returning from injury and whether or not it should impact their overall value. And it's a pleasure to welcome back to the show one of the few people that can help us out in this department, and he is Dr. Gene Brammel of FootballGuys.com. Gene is one of the best football injury experts in the country, and his expertise is sought by notable figures such as Adam Schefter and Stefania Bell. It's great to have you back, Gene. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, David. Thanks for that kind introduction. You're very welcome, Gene, and thank you for donating your time and your knowledge of this subject to our program as usual. It's that time of year again where we have to evaluate all things for all players, whether or not we draft them or not on our teams, uh, and health is a big factor. And now let's start with the news that broke today about uh, Andrew Luck, and it was both good news and bad news regarding Luck, who had off-season shoulder surgery that was revealed this afternoon by Colts general manager Chris Ballard. And he said that while Luck is progressing and he began throwing last week, he will open camp on the physically unable to perform list. Ballard also said that they have considered signing a veteran quarterback as an insurance policy, given the three inexperienced quarterbacks that they have on their active roster at the moment. What is your overall interpretation on Ballard's comments today? And when is it time to hit the panic button on Andrew Luck? Should that time come? I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet, but I think this has been an underreported story for most of the offseason, talking about a franchise quarterback who had an operation on the labrum of his shoulder. Um, and although, you know, the, the surgical techniques and rehab protocols are as good as they've ever been, and Andrew Luck can be a professional rehab um, athlete at this point, it's not a foolproof situation to have this taken care of. And it's one of the reasons he waited 18 months to do it. Um, it took a long time to get some details from the Colts. That's usually the case. I thought it was reassuring in minicamp when they allowed Luck to talk to the media. Um, and it made me think that hopefully what was going on was that the, the Colts were, uh, were playing this as slow as possible and trying to strengthen Luck's shoulder as much as they could before they allowed him to throw. And if you believe what Ballard said today, um, that that was the case, that was the plan all along, was to give him a good five to six months after a surgery before they allowed him to do that um, so that they'd limit the risk of him having inflammation, having soreness, having any setback in the throwing program that might potentially make it impossible for him to be available for week one. But um, they've, I won't say they painted themselves into a corner necessarily. I think that's a little bit strong. But it, he doesn't have much time yet to build up arm strength, to regain accuracy, to regain timing. Uh, all of those things are a problem, and they were a problem for him two years ago when he had the injury to begin with. So um, hopefully what Ballard said today, which is this was an expected part of his rehab, um, they're anticipating him progressing through the preseason without any difficulty and then hopefully being available for week one is what will come to fruition. But I think it's too early to say anything with certainty because he's only been throwing for a week. Most definitely. And where would you consider drafting Andrew Luck at the earliest at the present time? Well, I don't. Th I don't think you can take him off your draft board entirely. Um, I, I think you probably put him down at the bottom of the quarterback one tier and wait to hear how well his throwing program is going and when they're comfortable bringing him off the pup list. So. Um, 
as is the case seemingly every year, there are so many quarterback options out there for you. I think you have to judge um, where an Andrew Luck who, you know, maybe worst case scenario isn't himself for the first month of the season um, enters into your thought process. And, and maybe if you like luck towards the end of the year, you look very carefully at strength of schedule through the first month of the season and maybe take a guy a little bit earlier to give you a buffer through that first month or more of the season in case luck isn't what you want him to be uh, and then hope that he's ready for you later. Most definitely. And let's stay in the AFC South with another quarterback that many in the fantasy community are bullish on this season, including me, and that is Marcus Mariota. And people are bullish on him for good reason, given the upgrades the Titans made in the receiving core to go along with their elite ground attack and top shelf offensive line. However, Mariota is still yet to play a full 16-game season, and he did not reach 100% recovery from his broken right fibula until last week, as was reported by Maine Titans beatman Paul Kaharski on the radio. And given Mariota's injury history and the fact it took him until last week to fully recover from his latest malady, how much should we temper our expectations for him, if at all? I think we need to see him cleared to practice, make sure that he's not on the pup list and see how soon the Titans are comfortable with him taking contact. I think it was kind of a compare and contrast situation with him and Derek Carr, who had pretty similar injuries, but very different rehab and recovery timetables. Um, A lot of folks who have those players, regardless of position, that have a high ankle sprain that includes a, a fibular fracture, the surgical procedure, which involves some plating of the ligaments and the bones there, involves a four to six month rehab. So I don't think Mariota has really ever been outside the rehab expectation, but Derek Carr's injury, although it looks similar, was a little bit less severe and he returned a lot sooner. And that put, um, you know, a spotlight on what we thought was, or what was concerned to be a, a little bit of a slow rehab for Mariota. So um, it really wasn't any reason for him to participate in OTAs. I think there might be a little bit of alarm raised if he's not ready to start camp on day one, um, but expect them to move slowly with Mariota again. There's really no sense in putting some of these players out there six weeks before the regular season starts and putting them at any risk at all. So you hope they clear him um, from a medical standpoint in order to uh, hit the ground running in camp, but um, he's another player that we're going to have to watch over the first two or three weeks to see uh, whether or not he's ready for full contact or not. Absolutely. And what round at the earliest would you consider drafting Marcus Mariota? Because he could prove to be a big bargain where he's currently being drafted, at least in the mocks I've participated in so far. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of of, uh, of ranking and, and tiering prep yet. I've heard a lot of folks be very high on Mariota uh, and that exotic smash mouth offense. And uh, you know, you're not using Derrick Henry all that much last year. There's a ton of weapons out there for him. Uh, the offensive line gets better. The defense seems to get better as well. So you would think that Mariota could move up into that quarterback one discussion. How soon you take him? You know, my general recommendation with regards to ADP is to to, within reason, throw it out the window. And if there's a guy that you identify uh, as, you know, you feel like he should be at a higher point than where his ADP is, then tear him that way. Um, and don't go along with what the consensus is. Don't be afraid to take a player a couple of rounds ahead of where their ADP is. Um, this is a tough time of year to draft from a redraft perspective because we just don't have all the information that's necessary. We don't know how uh, the team's improvements and, and deficiencies over the offseason are really going to play out. It's a little bit of guesswork involved. Um, some of these injured players, we don't really know exactly where they stand and how the surrounding cast stands. We're going to find out the answer to those questions the next couple of weeks, and I think it's going to be a little bit easier to drill down and make some ADP decisions and, uh, and good tier thoughts on where you want these players to be.
Yes, and uh, also, once again, Gene, thank you so much for that uh, compare contrast between Marion and Derek Carr, whose injuries were uh, very similar, and uh, I just uh, didn't know how to tell the difference, and you uh, you cleaned up that picture for me right there. Thank you very much. And uh, now moving on to the defending Super Bowl champs, the New England Patriots, and their freakish uh, – that's the only word I can use to describe him because he, you, you can't describe Rob Gronkowski. He's a once in a lifetime talent. And although he is considered the top tight end in fantasy, he is coming off the third back surgery of his career. And it was suggested on a broadcast of ESPN NFL live at the time it happened last year, that this could mean that Gronk's best days are behind him. Do you share that view? And if so, how big of a drop off in performance can we expect to see from Gronk in 2017? I don't know how anybody makes that determination just by, you know, watching the number of surgeries that he's had. Uh, I think that it's it's reasonable to be worried about his career length at this point, but to say his best days are behind him, I think could easily be a little bit of a stretch. It's really hard to know uh, exactly where his surgeries were, exactly what was done, how much degenerative changes there are around the areas that he's had surgery. There was no discussion about um, a fusion procedure, which probably would have ended his career because it would have been a lumbar fusion. Um, so, I, And everything that we've seen through the offseason here has been positive. It does take more time than people think to recover from a back injury. From an anatomic standpoint, these guys are clear to return to football-related activity within 8 to 12 weeks, but player after player after player will tell you that it takes a good four to six months to recover core strength and range of motion and feel like they're themselves again. And this was a procedure that happened um, back at the end of December last year towards the end of his regular season, and we're going on eight months now of rehab time, and um, we've seen Gronk his, doing his usual off-season antics and dancing and partying and all those things, and that doesn't seem to, that's not football-related contact. Um, but the Patriots released a couple of players uh, to the pup list today, and Gronkowski wasn't among them. And that doesn't mean that he won't, he may not be considered for something like that before uh, the end of the, uh, before the, you know, the, the actual roster moves need to be made. But there was no indication of that at all this offseason. And Gronkowski has successfully recovered from some of these lumbar discectomies in the past. So I think because he's had more than one lumbar level surgically repaired over the past few years, three times, as you said, they have to be concerned about how long he'll be able to play. I don't think we're going to, I don't think he's going to be the next Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates um, type player where they, where he plays into his late thirties, but I'm not overly concerned that his career is about to fall off a cliff either. Yeah, I completely agree, Gene. And I, I also had this thought that even if Gronk does have some slight physical deterioration from this, uh, this latest injury, the weapons the Patriots uh, got in the offseason are going to distract linebackers, especially away from him, like with Brandon Cooks and Rex Burkhead when they get him involved in that pass game, and James White, who uh, the, the Super Bowl, hero Super Bowl 51. Uh, like whenever those guys are on the field with Gronk at the same time, uh, linebackers are going to have to pick their poison, and that you obviously can't cover Gronk, so you. So they might have a harder time than ever covering Gronk in this offense. So so what I was thinking was even if he loses a little bit of strength, he, sh he should still produce at monstrous levels this year, um, health permitting. Uh, do you share that view? Yeah, I think the hope is that 
the, between, you know, Tom Brady knows how to use him. Um, Gronkowski is going to continue to be a weapon in the red zone. Maybe we don't see him stretch the seam and uh, and catch balls at the, uh, you know, go up and get those 50-50 balls as often as we have in the past. But th- trying to bet against Bill Belichick and knowing how to use his chess pieces to the um, to the extent that he can is is probably a poor wager. Most definitely. And I, and I take it that you would still draft Gronkowski as the first tight end off the board, would you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think you know, the volume of targets he's going to get, the high leverage situations in which he's going to play, unless there's some indication that, uh, you know, that he's not able to run routes, he's not able to explode off the line, and, and the Patriots are, are planning to use him any, any different way than they have in the past. I think he's clearly the, the top available tight end. And from one target monster to another, we go to Los Angeles and the Chargers with Keenan Allen. And when healthy, Keenan Allen has been one of the most reliable fantasy producers, especially in PPR leagues. But he obviously has only played nine games in the last two seasons due to a lacerated kidney in 2015 and a torn ACL in the season opener against the Chiefs last year. Philip Rivers said today and during OTAs that Keenan Allen was just as good as he was in 2015 when he was absolutely lighting it up until that freak kidney injury. I personally want to believe that the last two years were just bad luck for Keenan Allen and that he could still produce at a high level. He's only 25 years old after all, and I believe he's due for better luck health-wise this year, and he could potentially lead the NFL in receptions. Thus, I personally am willing to bite the bullet and take him in late round three or early round four at the earliest. Is Keenan Allen worth the risk that early, or do you think the last two years make you hesitant to take such a chance on him? I'm not hesitant. I, I don't think we can hold the kidney laceration against him. Those are sort of fluke injuries. You can't predict solid organ lacerations in any stretch. Uh, we've seen many, many players recover from ACL injuries, and Allen's was very early last year. It was in the middle of September. He's had plenty of time to recover, and there's been no indication, as there was like uh, you know, with, with Calvin Benjamin or Jordy Nelson or other players recently, that there were any complications as he goes. And everything we've heard since uh, OTAs and otherwise is that he's ready to go. What's different about Allen's situation now from two years ago is there's a lot more talent around him. Uh, We've seen Tyrell Williams come into his own a little bit. They drafted Mike Williams, who's got some back issues of his own. Hunter Henry to go along with Antonio Gates. And Melvin Gordon is a little bit more of an option. So I don't know that I would go so far as to think it's likely that he, he can lead the league in receptions. But um, Phillip Rivers is a very underrated passer in the San Diego Chargers offense. I still want to call him San Diego. <laughs> the LA Chargers offense. <laughs> See how often I do that as the year goes on here. Um, is an offense that can spread the ball around a little bit. So I, I don't have any fears from an injury standpoint. Again, like all of these other players, you want to see that they're fully recovered. And as they ramp up their, uh, you know, their football-related activity for the first time, that they don't have any conditioning injuries. Um, but there isn't anything about Allen's recent injury history that would make me shy away. Most definitely. And you mentioned the other talent the Chargers have brought in over the years, including Mike Williams, who they drafted with the seventh overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft. And news broke last week about Williams, as you mentioned, and he was reported by Adam Shepard to possibly need season ending back surgery. But Ian Rappaport, he refuted that report, saying that option is not on the table to the degree it was a few weeks ago when Williams was given an epidural injection. And over the weekend, Williams himself confirmed that he feels a lot better since the injection. But whether he plays this season or not, Williams does have a troubling history of such injuries, including a freak neck injury that abruptly ended his 2015 season at Clemson. How much concern do you have at this moment that Mike Williams' career could be significantly shortened given his recent medicals? And how much, if at all, would you lower his value in dynasty leagues? 
I don't think the neck and the back are related necessarily. I had a couple of others ask me that question and not, you know, you can't rule those things out necessarily, but I don't think there's anything about that particular neck injury that would put his back at risk of having a herniation. Um, although we're not really sure how that injury was sustained. Um, I, 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 the truth is probably somewhere in the middle between Schefter and Rappaport's reports there. Um, Mike Williams pretty much called it fake news, um, <laughs> Schefter's original um, report there. So uh, it does seem like he's feeling better, but better is not recovered. And when you're dealing with a second epidural injection so soon after the first, um, there's no guarantee that even if they clear up some of that inflammation, that another move or another hit um, might not put enough pressure on that to cause some problems. So until we see him go a period of time without any concern, I don't think that we can say with, you know, with with 100% certainty that surgery is off the table entirely. Where would I rank him in dynasty? I think from a dynasty perspective, um, you know, again, many, many players, including wide receivers, have successfully recovered from discectomies, if that's the procedure that he ultimately ends up needing to have. And yes, it's not good at all that he's missing so many reps and, and losing out on some, uh, you know, timing and, and everything that he would need with Philip Rivers to become a major part of the offense. But we've seen players, Odell Beckham, chief among them, and I'm not saying Mike Williams is Odell Beckham, but Odell Beckham missed a ton of time with hamstring injuries and flare-ups all the way to the middle of the season, his rookie year, and then came back and did fine. So I don't know that Williams is the same type of player Beckham is, but I don't think you can entirely write off players um, if they eventually are able to recover from an injury that costs them most of the season, um, whether that's Williams or not. So if Williams is to be believed and it's been a lot of improvement over the last three or four weeks since that last epidural injection, I think we'll see the Chargers uh, allow him to start doing some work in camp fairly early on. Uh, and then if he gets through a couple of weeks of consecutive practices, I think you can kind of limit your consideration a little bit. But to close the book on that dynasty thought, um, you know, you're drafting a player for a, for dynasty for the, the the length of his career, and whether Mike Williams loses six to eight games in his rookie season or six to eight games down the line, if you've identified Williams as a potential top ten player, I don't think he should drop too far on your rookie draft boards. Um, so definitely monitor what's going on. If he ends up having an unusual surgery, or there's some complications that we're not aware of yet that could potentially be a little bit longer term of an issue for him, then maybe we adjust. But for now, I, I don't think I would move him too far away from where he started on your dynasty boards. Thank you very much, Gene. And from one first round rookie wide receiver to another, and there is another first-round rookie wide receiver that is coming off off-season surgery, and it is John Ross of the Cincinnati Bengals, and that is your backyard, Gene. Uh, Ross had surgery to repair a torn labrum in his shoulder after the combine, and we actually had Catherine Terrell, the Bengals reporter for ESPN's NFL Nation, on this program last week, and she told us that it is very hard to tell when Ross will see the field, and that is obviously not surprising given the Bengals' nature of being tight-lipped on such health matters. But in addition to this recent surgery, Ross also had three knee injuries in college, two meniscus tears and one ACL tears. What is his appropriate value in dynasty formats at the moment? And do you think he currently has any value at all in redraft leagues? That's mm, tough to say. We'll see what the Bengals plan to do with him. I think the meniscus issues, which from a surgical perspective are, are, are thought to be behind him, are the more likely career shortening situation um, than what's going on with his shoulder. And unlike Andrew Luck, who has to be able to throw the ball, John Ross just has to be uh, have enough strength and range of motion that there's no more concern about stability in his shoulder. And that's still a four- to six-month rehab process, but it's not going to turn into the six or seven months that Lucks have. So, you know, the surgery being done in February, I think it's 
likely that he starts the year on the pup list. We'll see what the Bengals have to say about that. But I don't think this is a situation where he's in too much danger of starting the season on the pup list. Um, from a dynasty standpoint, I, you know, I think I, it depends. It, it, boils down to what you think of, and I won't call him a one-note player necessarily because there's a lot more he can do, um, but I, I think that the Bengals' plan for him in the beginning is likely to stretch the field. He's not going to be the possession receiver that A.J. Green is. He's not going to be an over-the-middle-of-the-threat and red-zone threat in the same way that Tyler Eifert is. So I don't think you're looking at a player that's likely to get 120 to 140 targets a season just yet. Um, and with the reps that he's lost through the off-season program, it's probably going to be a year or two before you can reap the rewards of Ross. But there's nobody faster in this draft class. There's not been many failures at all faster than him. Um, maybe just Chris Johnson in the combine over the years. Um, so he's got a lot of skills to work with. Um, I, I don't think I would expect much of him this year. So it remains to be seen whether you can put him on your redraft draft board at all. But from a dynasty perspective, I think there's some upside over time. You just may not see it until year two or three. I, I share those views as well. And you mentioned Tyler Eifert, and it was reported today that Eifert will not be put on the PUP list uh, to start training camp. And uh, he has scored 18 touchdowns in his last 21 games that he's played. I actually drafted Tyler Eifert in one of my leagues in round 10 uh, last year. And uh, given the fact that he's uh, going to be ready to go uh, from the get-go this year, uh, um, where at the earliest would you feel comfortable taking Tyler Eifert in drafts? I want to make sure that he can get through the first week to 10 days of training camp and consecutive practices without having any compensatory injuries. Um, you know, again, we've said that that uh, you know these these microdiscectomies often take four to six months to recover. So it's not a surprise necessarily that Eifert took so long to continue to rehab on the side and didn't take any um, repetitions in OTAs or minicamp. Um, but we've seen him be a little bit of a slow healer. The back injury was thought to be a compensatory injury during his ankle rehab, um, and we've seen issues like this with Eifert before. I don't like calling players injury prone. I won't do that with Eifert either. But he's one of the many players this year that you have to confirm can recondition himself and get himself into football shape and conditioning without any soft tissue injuries before you'd be trusting to uh, to draft him highly. Most definitely. Tyler Eifert is going to be a key man to watch uh, these first couple weeks of training camp. And he is Dr. Gene Bramble, ladies and gentlemen, of footballguys.com. And you could hear why he's so in demand from everybody in this business uh, it's such a pleasure having Gene on the program, uh, your your knowledge of injuries and how they relate to this game and how they relate to fantasy are absolutely invaluable. Um, it's just it's just such a pleasure having you on here. I just can't say enough about that. And we have one more question before we let you go here. Uh, Drew Brees, he's been one of the best and most consistent fantasy performers of this past decade, and there is little, if any, evidence to suggest he is slowing down. However, it's likely that he will be operating with a makeshift offensive line to start the season. Left tackle Teron Armstead is likely to miss at least half the 2017 season with a torn labrum in his shoulder. Uh, he tore it in OTAs. And Pro Bowl center Max Unger, he was disclosed before OTAs to have a foot injury, and the severity of it has been unknown to this point. And he's been put on the PUP list, and he might not be available to start the season either. And taking Armstead's spot, protecting Breeze Blindside, is a rookie from Wisconsin, Ryan Ramchek, who the Saints picked with the 32nd overall pick. And Ramchek, he is coming off offseason hip replacement surgery. And given the relative inexperience and recent health issues of the New Orleans Saints offensive line, does that make you more hesitant to draft Drew Brees? No. I think Drew Brees, like Peyton Manning was, 
uh, has been a player that shows that he knows his way around the pocket. Um, he has a, a sixth sense in his head, an internal clock that lets him know when he needs to get rid of the ball. I, th- I think that you know the, the Saints more than lots of teams you have used you know some four, four vertical type pass patterns over the years, but they've also shown an ability to uh, to use short passing game um, with tight ends, with running backs, with receivers out of the slot, uh, and I think they can morph their offense to take care of some of those things. Um, I, I, it's just hard to, to bet against Drew Brees in the same way that you'd have a hard time betting against Bill Belichick. Um, you know, the hope is that you know, there just aren't so many situations where he's hit before he can get rid of the ball, but uh, I wouldn't be too worried about taking Brees. I agree with you there. Breeze just knows how to read a defense before the snap uh, better than most quarterbacks that have ever played. And, uh, and that's why he could compensate for subpar offensive line play. But Breeze aside, uh, do, do the Saints offensive line issues make you a little bit more hesitant on guys like Michael Thomas or Mark Ingram or Adrian Peterson? Yeah, not so much for the same reason, but I, I think the running game could be a concern um, between Adrian Peterson and Mark Ingram and, and whatever Alvin Kamara is going to be able to do, uh, because you have to bet you have to have the ability um, for that offensive line to work together. And that's the issue when you lose a player like Max Unger. Um, I think both of these guys may be out for a long period of time. I'm pretty sure that Unger's issue was a Liz Frank surgery. And when that happens in May, you're looking at a six to nine month recovery. And I know that Sean Payton said that they were pretty optimistic that they'd have him for the start of the regular season. But if those reports are correct that it was a, a procedure to um, to repair a Liz Frank injury. Those things tend to be a long recovery and rehab period. Not that both of these guys won't be able to come back, but it's very possible that we don't see either one of these guys until midseason. Yes, and one other thing about Liz Frank injuries, um, based on uh, my personal history about seeing uh, outstanding offensive linemen like we see Sean O'Hara, Ryan Clady, and even uh, skill position players like Maurice Jones, Drew and San Antonio Holmes suffering a list Frank injury. That's one of those injuries where it's very common that players like sharply decline immediately after that injury. Um, and do you think, uh, unfortunately the same fate could possibly await for Max Unger? Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of players have done a little bit better recently, but it's another one of those, it's a tricky situation. It's a tricky surgery. Um, it's an area where the blood supply may not be the greatest and healing can be a little bit inconsistent. Um, so, I, you know, I think that uh, you're just going to have to wait and see how hunger responds to it. But generally, I, I try to come down on the side of hoping that players are going to recover. Not that you aren't there necessarily, David, but um, I've got a little bit more optimism as we go a little bit further on. I think over the last decade or so with the uh, with the ability of players to see specialists um, and seeing uh, doctors that have done the same procedure over and over again and kind of refined a recovery and rehab timetable we've seen players and you know where ACLs aren't as concerning as they used to be the Liz Frank isn't quite as dreaded as it once was Kelly's tendon tears don't seem to be ending careers nearly as much as they were in the past I saw Jimmy Graham recover from a patellar tendon injury what hasn't happened uh, you can't really point to a comparison for that too so you know you hope a player like Max Unger will be able to do the same Absolutely. And thank you very much once again, Dr. Gene Brammel, for joining us tonight. You can follow him on Twitter at Gene Brammel and look for his work weekly at footballguys.com. Buy a subscription, folks, and we're going to sell a footballguys.com subscription to all of you later in the week. So please stay tuned. Gene, thank you once again for joining us. And we hope to have you back on the show in the very near future. Enjoy the season. Looking forward to your coverage this year. I appreciate it, David. I enjoyed it. Thanks very much. 
You're very welcome, Gene. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with Decron. But we plan to be back at the end of the week with a look at fantasy wide receivers and tight ends with Gene's Football Guys colleague, Jeff Hazley. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And that is Crunch with a K, folks. Once again, for Gene Brammel, our producer, Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromwell saying so long. And of course, stay awesome.